What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Vintage and Stuff with me, Drew Heifetz. Today, I have my homie, Jason Bothe, AKA Renee Renee on the show. He is a legend in the skateboard world, the snowboard world, the fashion world. He's done it all. He is a man of many talents. We talk about all the amazing parts of his life, including the Slam City Jam days, the um, DC Mountain Lab days, working with brands on collabs. He's produced an album. He's a musician. He's an artist. All kinds of good stuff on this episode. He's a very interesting dude. And we get into this. We get into it all. We get into dealing with mental health through COVID. All kinds of good topics. So enjoy. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for coming on the show, dude. I'm very excited to chat with you. I miss seeing you, man. We used to bump into each other like trade shows and different events and stuff, but that's all kind of, I feel like trade shows are dead in general, but. I mean, they were kind of on, they were on the decline as far as, uh, I mean, just obviously there's so much online and people are connecting like this nowadays that it just seems, I mean, it within the skateboard industry and, and snowboarding and stuff, it was starting to phase out. Like you saw ASR, um, like the ski, the surf expos, everything kind of dipped a bit. I know that uh, those guys, they, they, what it was agenda kind of had, had taken a last stab at it and we're doing pretty good, you know, but I just kind of, uh, yeah, pandemics and being stuck in your country is kind of, destroy i miss it you know I, it, it's it's you get sore sore hands and elbows from high fives and it's just kind of like connecting with everyone which is you know again in, in in our business or whatever business it's it's super important um those connections and you know just remembering like oh wow hey there's drew like i can connect you to this is perfect you know and it's and it's one of those things where with artists owners creatives you know now there's clubhouse and there's other things you can kind of you know facilitate but before even the internet those trade shows were everything you know man and uh that's kind of you know i think that's maybe the last time i saw you was at agenda i think and then you know agenda was rocking kind of at that that was like the last few years of it and then like 10 years 10 years ago and then complex kind of like Complex Con came in as like the new thing, which was more like direct to consumer trade show esque type deal. Um, but obviously, none of that's happened in the last year. So, but I got to tell the story. So you showed up. I'm in the warehouse right now. You've been here. You yes. came here with Trouble Andrew, I believe, yeah. and, and also uh, Damien of yeah. 
right? And yeah. you show up. I knew those guys were coming. I didn't really know you were coming. And you, you know, I at the, up to that point, I have only known you as the character Renee Renee. So I, at first, I'm like, oh, you know, who's this guy? Nice guy, Jason, whatever. <laughs> and then I kind of clue it. I'm like, oh shit, you're Renee Renee. And this was few years after we had opened our Whistler store, which we kind of just touched on, but um, off camera, that we had invited you. We sent you a personalized letter. And I got to give my boy. I love it. I got to give my boy Pete a shout out for that. Because he was like, as we were building the store and building the vibe for that first F is in Frank store in Whistler, you were a big inspiration. And he was like, we got to invite Renee. Renee, like if he could come as like a celebrity appearance, that would be so epic. So we did send you an invite. Um, I guess you were in California at the time or something, probably working. Yeah, I had, I, I think prior engagements or it was like some DC tour. I think I was going on, but, uh, I literally, I looked at that email probably a couple months ago. I was just going through an old computer and, and, and it popped up and it just brought back all these memories about that. And like, like I said, I had never met you until I had come to your shop. Yeah. And so it was kind of, and I don't even think at that point I realized that you were the same person that sent me that email, you know, whatever, eight years ago. And I think after, after we started talking and then, I mean, I was in heaven at your place though. I mean, it's like for me as a digger and someone who's, you know, takes pride in, in, in certain pieces and, and, and things, it was just like, are you kidding me, dude? Like, I don't have to shot. I just come here and pick out everything you got. Like there was just so much stuff, um, man. And, and uh, like, again, I've been a huge, my introduction to thrift stores was my grandpa's funeral. And so I have, I'm the youngest of four boys and my uncle took us, picked us all up and was like, we're going to get you suits. And I'm just like, how can, you know what I mean? Like uncle art, like you're driving a Reliant K car. It's almost broken down. Like he can't afford anything. And he took us to this, uh, to this mission gospel thrift store in Kelowna. And, uh, we're like, pick up whatever you want. And I'm just like, you know, and I, as a kid, you don't, it's a store, right? You don't, you don't think of it as I wasn't looking at prices. I was like, I found a suit. I found shoes. I'm like, can I get a tie? He's like, yeah, I get a tie socks. The whole nine, I think all four of us boys, including our five of us, because his son got suits, like head to toe suits, ties, shirts, shoes, I think under $20, nice. right? And this, and I'm like, what? How come it's so cheap? I didn't, I, it just didn't, it didn't, I was like, what's going on? What kind of store is this? And that was like, I think I was six years old. And so from that day on, Anytime I had seen a, a thrift store or any garage sale, like it just, it, it, he, Uncle Art got the, got the bug, uh, uh, you know, he, he gave it to me and I was so, That's so sick. So, so yeah, the connection, that early connection to like, this is just a shop. This isn't like secondhand. This isn't thrift. This is just like where you go to buy the clothes. Yeah. Like I didn't, you didn't. And again, as you got older, you know, everyone's just like, if you shopped at a thrift store, you were poor, right? And yeah. and you couldn't afford new clothes. So it was kind of like, you know, you didn't didn't want to get caught there or or whatnot. And for me, I was like, I wanted to be different. I wanted to be I didn't want to wear what everyone was wearing. I wanted I got my first pair of vans. Actually my grandma got me my first pair of vans and I think I was like 
early 80s, probably 80, 81 or something, two-tone blue. They were too small, but I was like, I'm wearing these things. I got corn. I got corns now to prove. (laughs) (laughs) But it was like you were your style, you were retro before retro was cool. So you were like my early memories of you was I think I first saw you at Slam City Jam. Okay. And I came to Slam City Jam probably 99. I know that's kind of later years even. Yeah. Um, because that's when I moved out west. And back then, like you were wild and you were retro. You had this like vibe and style persona, which was so sick because, like you said, even in that era, like late 90s, it wasn't cool yet to like be the thrift store guy. It took a long time to catch on. Some people were doing it, but it was like kind of fringe still, you know? Well, I think people were doing it, right? And 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 it was you know, it was still, I mean, in the 90s even, so I moved to L.A. with a friend of mine who was going to LACC, going to film school. So this is like 93, 90, yeah, 93, 92, 93. And so I was down there doing construction, and I actually worked, you probably know, the, like the Jet Rag guys. Oh, yeah, totally. And now, yeah, so, so I was like, I'm working to building the facade of the jet rag store on what? Fairfax. Oh yeah. Like I, like I, it goes deep dude. And so, and I remember those guys are like, they, that was the first time I'd seen anyone buy bulk. Like, and I was like, what is this? And they're like, Oh yeah, we just buy these pallets. And I don't, I forget that the cost was like, what? That's cheap. Like it was insane. Yeah, and these so guys jet had, rag was- they had, on La Brea, right off Fairfax, or right? On La Brea, exactly. On yes. La, Brea, La Brea, right? Fairfax. No, sorry, right off near the corner of Melrose and La Brea. And they had like a friggin' bomb that like came into yeah. the siding of the store. The yeah. Get rag yeah. sign. Super cool. Spot. So I helped build that. I built that. That was the store. That, so I helped build that store. The That's guy crazy. I was working for. Yeah. And so then they introduced me. They had, so they had another couple of stores on Melrose as well, like more high end. And I remember that was the first time I was like, I'm like, you're charging $80 for a, for a, for a, like a Anvil t-shirt or something. And I'm just like, really? Like, and that, so back then $80 was like insane amount of money for a used t-shirt. And I kind of like, I'm like, like who's going to, you know, and and that, and then I see the clientele and I'm like, it's Hollywood and there's celebrities and they, you know, like purchase that stuff now i watched some show the other day and they they were like going oh yeah eight hundred dollars for like the same shirt i'm like what yeah. is going on like it's insane the market is is wild right now and so you're you're coming from vernon too which is small town bc that's where you're from right vernon yep born and raised so like uh, you never see a price like that you would never well there would be no vintage stores there would only be thrift so like that transition to Hollywood, you're like, wow, like these people are actually into the shit that I would just go out and thrift for like a buck. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, it was, uh, and again, even, even at that point, I wasn't, I would, I I was similar to that style. It was like, I I would find these classic things. A lot of my, I was really into like early eighties surf culture. There was a brand surf rad. I was just like super amped on surf rad for some reason. Um, and then also like hang 10 stuff, uh, with like the, uh, wooden buttons. Actually, I turned, uh, hang 10 did a lot of like velour, like the zips and like really cool texture stuff. It was the corduroy shorts. That was like their, that was their jam, right? It was the corduroy short. And then there was also like OP long sleeve white OP t-shirts were like, for some reason it was just like, ah, Holy grail for me. (laughs) Like pumped on that stuff. And then, uh, 
but yeah, like I think so. The birth of Renee, Renee was was almost like over the top. Just like I, you know what? I'm gonna mesh because I had like the style was Serengeti. I called it, and it was like I was hugely inspired by Beat Street. And okay. so it was like, like the, that the film, you mean? Like yeah. So the, okay. so the film, and, and and obviously, so that would be Grandmaster Flash. It would it would that it, I called it like street jungle vibe. So it was it, I would I would match my leopard prints or tiger stripes with like leather and and like you know kind of the the crazy what were they the 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 roach clips with the like feathers a tail or something oh the feathers yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and so but so i had that kind of serengeti vibe and then i had like the the, the la breaking so it'd be like you know as well as beat street 2 had the track suits and the puma and all that so i kind of like like kangol hats let's see if i still got one of those <laughs> yeah like this 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 hat like inspired the you know, a lot of the, the vibes is like the, the yeah. old LL Cool J, you know. So where did Renee make his first appearance? And when did when was this like, was this something that you kind of just had as a character, like you th- brought out of parties and shit and that it got, it got bigger than you thought? Or were you like calculated and I'm going to create this character for a purpose? So... If I was doing a, a friends of mine from California. There's still actually the, one of the guys that I met. He produced my album White Heat, which you know, get into that later. But he, uh, so I was doing this character called Graham, Graham Dorigo, and he was a biker, and he's like, "You snowboarders, you're gonna get my fucking. I need you to bring my cocaine across the border, and we're gonna trade. You know, we're gonna swap it for weed." It was like, you know, like what was kind of happening at the time, and so this character. <laughs> I remember going, you know, Ben Coos. Anyways, his his girlfriend at the time was a hairdresser. And I was like, I need you to thin my hair out. So like the whole vibe was like thin spiked hair with a mullet in the back. And like these guys, they, they had no budget, but I was like, I need Dayton boots. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, you got to have Dayton boots. Like if you're a headbanger and a biker, a you lot. need date. Yeah. And they were like, <laughs> like 600 bucks. Or something ridiculous. But I was like, as soon as I put the boots on, it's like Graham came alive, right? And and so I'm definitely the character actor and, and I gotta get into the characters, right? So that character, um, Slam City Jam the year before. So I was in this character role, and I think Mike, um, the guy from Skateboard Canada, was like, dude, <laughs> this character is awesome. Like, can you go film on the course with like this biker kit? I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, you know, Graham's out there with like, and that's where I first met Rick Kosick and from from Big Brother. And, and uh, I mean, I had met everyone in skateboarding before that previous Slam Cities. Yeah. But this was the first time I introduced the character to, to the world of skateboarding. And I remember like, Tony Ferguson's like introduced, this is my Uncle Graham, he's from the island, <laughs> whatever it was. And so like the following year, I was at a, at a part, do you know, you know who Rafe is, right? Uh, Rafe? Rafe, he did, uh, oh geez, I can't even think right now. Anyways, he's a, familiar. Yeah, Adelberg, he's a designer from Oh yeah, from yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, I know. Yeah, 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 totally. Her man and stuff, but he, uh, we were at a party at his house and so Graham had kind of started morphing, you know, Graham went from listening to Metallica to listening to Ice-T. So he kind of went from this biker that was into hardcore music, you know, banging 
to all of a sudden like, yeah, Ice-T is kind of sick, you know, like this is dope, like rap music. So his hair, he decided to get braids, right? So, so Graham's mullet turned into braids. And then it, I went full on like neon. Like it was like, you know, I, for some reason. So this character was kind of morphed from this character, Graham. And then Rafe's like, what's this character's name? And I'm like, I mean, it's so not politically correct, but I was like, what's the gayest name a guy could have? Like, you know, like at the time it was just like, I think to my, I'm like, Renee. And then I look at him, I go, Renee. And he's like, Renee, Renee. And I'm like, Renee, Renee. <laughs> Oh, man. And that I mean, it's so like, perfect. I know it's like, it's hard to tell the story. Cause I, you know, it's, it's a different time, just like everything, but that's how kind of Renee. And then Renee went to that slam city and just like, I went full tilt. It was like neon extreme. Like how I looked was the same character that I was putting into it. Kind of like how I put those boots on and I became a biker. It's like, I put on all this neon day glow, you know, bedazzlements and just, that's who I was and, and took busted over from there. Man. Yeah. And then, and then, so Rick Cossack, they did a, uh, like a, I was like a five, six page big brother spread that I, that I had an interview in there. And then, uh, that was like, I'm out, I'm going to LA. Like I'm doing this. Renee is going like, <laughs> let's nonstop. I remember so like, what year was that first Renee slam city? I think that was like your first one, like 99 was the okay. 98 was the, was the, was the Graham Dorigo. I mean, I went to every single one of them, yeah. but I never really introduced a character. And so, um, oh, anyway, so the, so I guess, yeah, I went down to LA cause I made music with the guy, Dustin, who I did the movie with. And that's where we started working on white heat. And I think we recorded like, Panty sweat and uh, the sex is hot and driving. All like in the I early. I literally night. just watched driving on YouTube. Did Hold you, up, brother? Yeah, I know. I mean, it's crazy because so many people don't. We're living in this in this in this in this weird world where um, people don't care about history necessarily. It's like whoever's doing it the best right now. That's who's gets the credit kind of thing, I find. And it, so, it is, yeah, I mean, I care about history, FYI. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but well, our, our generation's different, right? Like, totally. it's, it, nothing against the new generation. There's too, much, there's too much distraction nonstop that, like, they're just inundated with distractions that, like, to go back and look at history takes a little bit of effort, you know? And, I mean, so, this was even – sorry, I'll go one last thing. Yeah. Uh, like, on a bus one time and hearing this kid talk about how, you know – someone sampled epmd and i'm like and i'm like sitting there going like epmd like that's cool in the game like you know what i mean like there's you're missing part of the stories right and i think that you know like i love what you're doing and, and, and this stuff but it's like people you just need to, to give it to them because otherwise these stories don't get told and you know history is 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 forgotten and and modern history is you know whoever says hit subscribe and, you know, like my stuff and, and you're in it because my kid, I got three kids and they're the yeah. same way. It's like, if it's over 15 seconds, they don't got time for it. You know, whereas I'd be, I'd watch animal chin on YouTube, like the whole thing, like sit there and just love it, you know? And, and I think we're just, it's so high, fast paced. And, and again, like you just kind of got to, 
be a part of it or just, you know, fall, you know, fall to the wayside. So I'm, uh, and I think there's a place like to, you know, to use the fast pace world to, to bring back that history, which is kind of what I'm doing right here. And I kind of, I've been doing it more because I'm at a, I'm at an age and I'm 40 and I look back at my time in skating and snowboarding. And I love like reminiscing and going and watching those old videos and like pulling up memories and, um, cause it, 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 it's shaped where we are, the industry, at where we are as people, you know, like the rest of your life. Cause like you've had a crazy life into so many different things and it's important to know. And I guess a question I had was about this topic is that like, how do you think, what's that? How do you think Renee Renee would have changed or had a different um, life in this new age of like, instant social media and all that oh i mean i think i think i'm i was always 10 years ahead of the curve it's even even with the 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 clothes and stuff you know and this is way before social before youtube right like uh, a lot of that stuff was you know i was i mean that driving video and all that thing was kind of youtube was a new tool and it kind of opened up the eyes to be like and especially at that time in music it was, you know, up until that point of home studios and garage, even the garage band, like people can make music. It's, it's pretty, pretty easy. But before that you had to get noticed, you had to go and tour or you had to go and do these gigs. And, and so with the advent of technology, now you're seeing soldier boy, right? Like there was no soldier boy without YouTube and there's, there's no soldier boy without him being able to like, produce music himself without the big studios and without that, without, you know, the, the, the big engine behind it. And so, which is great because it it created so many new artists and new creatives and kind of changed how we look at the record and it, it shook the record industry. Right. I mean, even Napster shook the way that we listen to music and how, you know, I remember the iPod one or whatever, and it was like this thick. And I was like, I got a thousand songs. Like, Oh my God, it's insane. Like, how can I listen to that many music? And it's like this progression of of influence. And we're seeing like, you know, my kids are, you know, they're, I don't, it's weird for me because it's like, they watch these things and I'm like, like, this is just, it's for me, I feel like I'm a little more cultured. Right. And even with even with clothes and stuff, and you see, you're like, oh, my God. hey, I can't judge. Look, I'm Renee Renee. <laughs> I'm the last <laughs> one to judge. But I mean, when I came into the industry, like gray, red, and blue were the hot colors of DC. Like they, you know, maybe a little gray camo, but they were there was no pink, there was no neon. It was like drab, and and everyone had, you know, they were starting to phase out a baggy and getting a little tighter. And, you know, so, yeah, sure. but I mean, so, I want to touch on, yeah. oh, geez, I got, no, you're I just want like the, the recycling, th- the recycling aspect of this whole, whole situation, right? Like I, you know, I, I, when I moved back to Canada, I, I started doing some consulting for like a port company, social license, like stuff that's just totally out of my wheelhouse. But I, I went back to school and learned a lot about the fashion industry and basically you know how what much does that wa- mean, social license 
social license to operate. So it's kind of, it, it was a, it was a hot term back uh, around 2013. Um, social license is, so I was working with a company that deals with coal, right? So coal is, has got a bad rap. It's not, you know, it, obviously there's CO2 emissions. Um, it's kind of coal dust was this issue yeah. that was going on up here from the trains it was more just like angry white rock citizens that didn't like the train coming through every day. It had nothing to do with like a health, health issues. So it was your social license to operate is basically getting the community, the environmentalists, like everyone on board so that it's socially acceptable to do this kind of work. So, so when I was looking into coal, I was like, okay, like coal's not, this is tough. Like how, how do I how do I make this, how do I tell a story about coal? And it was the coal that we have in BC is steel making coal. So there's like 11 coal mines, eight made steel coal, which is like coking coal, which burns at a certain rate that cr- creates steel. So it was like, well, steel's good. Like steel is in everything, right? Like our phone, we're using our doors, like security, building a house, like nothing exists. So, but I also looked at other, you know, like forms of polluters and, and that why is it just everyone's focusing on that? So I looked into what it takes to make jeans, right? And like the amount of, and, and then looking at like in China, just rivers that are just like, what color is that? You know, and, and, and the amount of pollution and destruction. And it was kind of like, which was led me back to my early days of thrift store shopping at six years old and being like, man, like, I wish everyone knew about that back in the, you know, like, and and the true, and what you're doing is you're finding these, this gold that's being put into, into, into dumpsters and thrown away and and it's garbage when in reality, you know, the new generation too, with, with their technology, but they're also appreciative. Right. And, and they're a reason why you're killing it is, is because of that new generation is, is understanding and starting to hear these stories. And they don't want to be cookie cutters. They want to be original originals. Right. Yeah. And how do you do that in a, in a world of H and M's and, and, you know, just one wear garbage. It's like, and well, you, you go these, and these H and M's and all these brands for years we're just literally shopping with us or other vintage guys and looking for inspiration from, from the retro, from the vintage, from the, the eras gone by. And then they were just pumping their fast fashion out with that inspiration. And finally the people have caught on, like that's what they're doing. That's how it works. That's how the fashion wheel moves. But also they've caught on to the fact that like, there is another way there's enough used secondhand clothes on the planet to really like last us a long time and with more people getting involved, there's more of it coming out, you know, that's not getting thrown into landfills, hopefully. And the, the consciousness of the, the generation that's coming up, like my kids, your kids, you know, with us teaching them, but also with just what's happening around them, they're going to understand this way more that it's important to like wear secondhand, not throw mm-hmm. shit away, not buy stuff that's so disposable all the time. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and, and you'll, when they realize when you get something that's well-made, right. It lasts 50 years, you know, these are quality items. And and when you find it and you you see these things and you're just like, wow, like this thing's from 1960 
and it looks the same as it did in 1960. And it's just so well put together. And it's like the quality and the craftsmanship just kind of, again, with modernization. And again, it's just like in everything in life, everything gets diluted and or cost effectiveness, right? Like how do we cut corners? How do we do it cheaper? How do, well, if we make a million t-shirts, then it's going to cost us three cents a t-shirt. Okay. You know, 700,000 of those are going to be in the trash, but it doesn't matter because our numbers are up. Yeah. Right. And, and, and they it's also, just, we know this in the snowboard and well, maybe not so much skate, but in the snowboard industry, like certain products are made to last you a finite period of time so that you can go buy another one when the new shit comes out. Because if they made a snowboard boot last you six years, you know, they're losing money. Right. So everything is, you know, they used to look at it like, let's make it to last as long as we can, because we're into quality craftsmanship. Then it went to, let's make it to last just long enough so that they can yeah. buy the next shit when we put it out. Yeah. Cause you, the, everyone needs a new pair of boots every year. Right. Like after you break them in and they're perfect. Yeah. Like, I think I still had a pair of those Airwalks, like the OG, OG first Airwalk boots ever with some like, you know, liners that I got from Burton. And they were just the best boots ever. And they were yeah. so durable and thick rubber. Like even, and, and you understand this when you're around it, but just the quality of product products, like the rubber and gums and, and everything's changing. And, and it's like evolution, which is great, you know? Yeah. Um, but I mean... Yeah, it's, 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 it's wild. Like, uh, and I, I like, so I, I used to work with uh, Darren Romanelli when I was in LA at Street Virus. Oh, nice. And, Darren Romanelli. And there doctor. we go. And the doctor. So doctor kind of, you know, I, he was another obviously innovator and someone that I fully respected. I worked at Street Virus in LA, just kind of, they had a surf brand that I helped them work with and, and, uh, but just being around that creative circle, it w- was amazing. And watching him work, uh, it kind of likens to what you're doing with Frankie and, and that whole cut and sew it. And quality, though, like, you know, it, it, it's one thing to like, oh, I'm going to take a used sweatshirt and put a shitty tag on it and call it, you know, re, re, renewed. But yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> it's like, you know, you're actually thought like there's thought going into this and there's collections going into it it's like okay let's go and that's the same thing that darren did he would he would take like these insane one-on-one type jordan track suits that you're just like you're gonna cut that up yeah totally right and then turn that in and then make 10 10 new things out of it you know that are all like one-of-a-kind pieces they're just like you know really i don't even know if he looked at it as the green angle you know what i mean like i don't know well, if i don't was think like- anybody did you know even five years ago i think even five years ago we were all looking at it like this is just cool this is cool mm-hmm. this has history we appreciate the history we appreciate the fashion I-, I think it's more recent times that people finally started to realize that this can you know on a big scale have a massive impact right and mm-hmm. darren jesse knows him really well i've done business with him a bit but i've never actually hung out with him um, but yeah, see, like when I look at rework, I'm like, I want to take something that maybe doesn't have a lot of intrinsic value and give it more value, right? Yeah. Aaron's like, I'm gonna take like the most popping hot shit at the moment and cut yeah. it up. And I'm gonna take this like five thousand dollar shirt and cut it, right? Yeah, You're and like, then and then add it to two more five thousand dollar shirts. Yeah. But yet again, his prices garner that kind of fame. So oh, um, I know. 
It's I really was there. cool. He was, and he's been doing it for a, he's one of like the OGs and he's kept it like very designer, very niche to his like Hollywood aesthetic. He's got he's got his seamstress. He's got his girl. Like, yeah. you know, just like I'm sure you don't let them when you find them, you keep them, right? Because oh, they're yeah. they're hard to find, especially the ones that are like do really, really quality work. I mean, he was doing, he was making pieces for uh, the guy who started uh, World Star Hip Hop before he died. I, I remember, I was like, what is this stuff? And it was like his own personal, the guy from um, that, that website or whatever. He, he, I was oh, like, really? holy, oh yeah, it was insane. And then he passed away, but that was, that was kind of sad. Yeah, Darren's but, always been a bit of a mystery to me because I, I see his collections come out. He'll do a project with like... Uh, um, not I don't know not Nordstrom's but that big department that really high end Bergman Berg, Bergman and Dorf or whatever yeah Bergman and then there's uh, Neiman Marcus and all these different like higher end things he recently did a Grateful Dead project with a friend of mine shout out Deadhead he's a big did, Deadhead he they loves made, yeah they made like the lounge chairs out of t-shirts like those big comfy lounge chairs um, but I, but it's yeah because he's very like it's very curated very high end very you know you don't see a lot of stuff coming from him so. I don't know. My inquisitive mind's always like, what's he cooking behind the scenes? Here's here's another one. So back in the early nineties, I linked up with uh, a friend of mine. His name was concave Dave from Seattle. And he, I met him through another friend of mine. They were doing uh, a clothing brand with Mike D called X new. And so X new, this is like way ahead of its time. Basically I would help, I turned Mike D and those guys onto the hang 10 surf shirts. So what they would do is they just take kind of like that idea that I was saying, putting a tag on it, they would just go buy rad old vintage stuff and just put an X new little recycled. It was like a recycled their brand was X large at the time. Yeah. Cause it was extra large. Yes. So he started, he started a brand with Mike D and my friend Dave and then another friend, I think Martine might have even been involved from, from Van City there. No way. Um, yeah. And so, which was rad because then I got to, I met, met Ricky Powell. I met all those guys. I remember meeting Ricky Powell. So I had found these Fila boat shoes. They're like red, white, and blue, just like, you know, just kind of like a Sperry, but Fila. Yeah. And then, you know, I had my gear and he's like, Ricky Powell gets off the bus and he, he starts walking by and he looks down, he sees my shoes and he's just like, who are you? <laughs> he's just, he's like, okay, who's this dude? I've never seen a pair of Fila boat shoes for one. And he was just like, yeah, that was my introduction to, to Ricky Powell. It was just like, those shoes are dope. kid. <laughs> like, That's awesome. And then, yeah. So, and then I ended up going to see, I painted a mural at their, uh, the store. They had a record store. I think like top shelf or something with Mike D and my friend Dave, but next door was this um, vintage shop. And they, this is my first introduction to how much 501s and Jordan ones were going for. And I was like, what? They're like, yeah, bring us some Jordans. We'll give you, we'll give you 500 us. I was like, really? Like, so then, and that was like my first introduction to like shopping for someone else. Like I had never, you know, I had never, even still, I kind of felt bad about it. Cause I'm like, dude, I bought these for like $2. You're going to give me 500 bucks. Like, okay. Like, and it would pay for my trip down and stuff, but it was so just you like. you would literally bring, you'd pack a bag with shit to sell to this store. Yeah. Yeah. Like 501s, uh, like all the, like white tag, all, all, any, anything 
Like if I found a pair of 501s with the paper tag on it, those were like 1500 bucks or something. Like just insane, insane. And it was going to Japan. And until I went to Japan to understand the market over there, because 500 bucks was like nothing. There were like 15,000. Was this store called Heller's Cafe? It might have been. It was on 3rd Ave, right down the street from... um, This is Seattle. The guy from... yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the guy from REM owned it. The Crocodile was like a jam, like a restaurant bar kind of thing on the corner. And then it was down the street and his record shop and it was right next door. And it was like these, yeah, this rad Japanese people that were like okay. tripping that's, out. That's sick. Yeah, see, it's funny when you mentioned like those are the two things that are like the cornerstones of the vintage business. Yeah. That's definitely Levi's, like number one, always has been, always will be. And, and Jordan's. Like those yep. are the two cornerstones and they're still popping to this day. Like, you know, Jordan, Jordan ones in the box now could be like 10 grand or something. Yeah. You know? And, and the, the denim market's been going up crazy as well, but that's how it started for a lot of people, man. That's mm-hmm. super cool. Like that, that connection to extra large back in those days. Cause they were pioneers kind of in streetwear. Like they were early on, right. It was like, it's tough to find that stuff too. I have like a few, the, I have a few pieces in my collection like, of X. And it cut and sew stuff or just t-shirts. Oh no, not the X new. Oh well, no, I no have, no 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 no. No, I have X large. Like I had a wicked jacket that they they like um, copied the bolt like the uh, Powell Bones logo, but like yeah, yeah, an X yeah. large version of it, which yeah. is really sick. And I have like a few tees, but not a lot. You're right; it's hard to find. And you know, mm. I look at uh, those like. Forgot. Those early streetwear companies fucked. Obviously, like Stussy from the beginning, but then like X Large, and I love finding that shit, man. Dude, look at I, I just got this yesterday. It's pretty classic. You probably appreciate this one. How do I turn that around? Exco. <laughs> Esco, nice. yeah, old Willie Esco. It's like a medium, and it just things like massive. Oh my God, this, this thing is just ridiculous. And I love the fact, because I remember telling you about how I was into like tribal kind of crazy silk dragon shit. <laughs> this one's oh, got like fuck yeah, dude. A, a monster truck with tribal. Uh, oh, like <laughs> so good. I can't, pa- I can't pass it up. Like, it's just like, it's so. And again, like when I created Renee, Renee was like just stuff that no one wanted, right? Like no one, no one would touch it. And it was just, I remember getting laughed at and I was like, yes, like they're laughing at me. This is awesome. This is what I wanted. I wanted yeah. people to, to basically, you know, just poke fun at me and, and give it, you know, like, just look at that loser. And then, and if I heard it, I was like, yes, like I'm winning, you know? In in the end, it's like they all started wearing neon and everyone had like, you know, white Oakleys and, and the whole vibe. But, you know, in the yeah, beginning, but it, like you said, you were in 1999 at Slam City Jam. And then we opened in 2007. And when that kind of look in snowboarding and skiing was like a trend. It started happening. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. They did a- so that's like a whole almost 10 years later. So Ken Block was like, I did the Mountain Lab, right? And it was funny because he's like, I was skating and, and, you know, I was best friends with Danny Way and we had a band going. And and, uh, so they had the Mountain Lab and Ken's like, hey, do you want to, you know, come to the Mountain Lab? It's like, yeah. (laughs) So are you like childhood buddies with Danny Way just from the BC Connection kind of growing up? I met him with Colin way back in the day, but we never really like... 
he was Danny Way and like my ultimate hero. So it was just kind of more of me fanning out when I was, you know, 17, 18 years old to me going down there. And uh, I think either Ryan Smith or Colin was like, we're going up to point X, you know, Danny's doing the mega ramp shit. And I was like, sick. And I remember Danny's like, you're Renee. And, and I had had a demo out. I had a six or nine song demo. He's like, you're in Rene, Rene. He's like, he's like, dude, let's make music like right now. And I'm like, dude, I, okay. Like he just finished like putting down like the craziest hammers I've ever seen in my life. And he's just more amp. He doesn't give about shit about skateboarding either right now. He's like, let's make music. And like, we wrote this, uh, what was it? Break the bread or something. Those times we had. So when I started jamming with him, like I created this sound, I called it Creedle back. It was like Nickelback and Creed. Oh, man. And so we did that, and then we, we started jamming. We did, a, we did a band, and then it, pretty much, I think, for like three years, I was inseparable. Like, we, we went to, like, Fiji together. He was going through a separation, so it was kind of like I was, I was the new, kind of his new girlfriend. Not really, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we yeah. just hung out, hung out every day. Like, you want to go surfing? I didn't have a job. I was just like, this is great. Like, my job was to party. I got yeah. paid by Hurley first, and then DC Shoes would, like, fly me around the world. Like, okay, you're going to Tokyo. What am I doing? having fun like make sure everyone else has fun i'm like this is easy i got That's this so epic i need to know like when you before renee renee and you're like skating like were, were you like did you ever get paid as a as like a sponsored skater or anything like that okay so Dude, i was never really a sponsored skater that's the whole thing it was like oh yeah ex-pro skater renee renee i'm just like Dude, I was just the funny guy. Like, I was not, you know what I mean? I was just a commentator. I picked up the mic because I knew, you know, skateboarding, I can do it. I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, my friends are really good and I'm, I'm okay. You know, now compared to some people's okay, I might be really good. But compared to my friends, there was no way in hell I was ever going to be a professional skateboarder, even so, snowboarding too. Like, so in the, in the early days before you did, before that kind of popped for Renee Renee, were you like, what was your kind of dream and what was, or were you just like, I'm just rolling with it. I, I I'm a skater. I like it. I'm meeting people. This is what I'm doing. I'm kind of, kind of hanging yeah, out. I wanted, well, I was an artist and then I made music, right. I was an aspiring rapper that didn't have a studio or a hope in hell of doing anything. Right? <laughs> like I was a dreamer yeah. and I just like, I, I mean, I DJed. So I DJ, I mean, a lot of people don't know that, but I DJed like, all the clubs in Vancouver, like Sonar, nice. Richards on Richards, like uh, opened up for like Dell, the funky homo sapien. I mean, it was more, I would just bring my records to, to the club and be like, I'm playing. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's how I started. And then, and then, uh, you know, the, the people would be like, what the hell? Like this guy's got crazy music. Cause I didn't care. I'm just yeah. like my clothes. It was eclectic. And, and I would, you know, I remember, the first time I ever felt like I was on the right path was when Biz Marquis DJed in Vancouver and he played, uh, what did he play? He played like Benny and the Jets, right? And I was like, wow, like it's supposed to be hip hop, right? Like in, in your mind, when you think of hip hop and rap, you don't think of Elton John. You don't think of like normal music, but that's the music that they sampled and got inspiration from totally. to create rap, right? And so I always, I grew, I think my favorite, I got a Mr. Microphone when I was five. And then I got like a little radio that never turned off. It was in my room. So like 
my knowledge of 80s music is just like people like how do you know that because i slept to it every night like i was just like ingrained in my head and so i actually started the first 80s night in vancouver at that sonar down down yeah and 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 so then it was like in the late 90s i wanted to do an early 90s night right because i was i was like just way too ahead of the time like i had to wait another 20 years before there's like oh early 90s music is sick house music and all this kind of stuff but i was always trying like if if it was cool i didn't want any part of it i I wanted things that weren't cool and i wanted to make them cool or just be different in that in that sense you know so that was that was kind of the pushing for i I wanted i I think it's cool you you said about that music my brother's a musician i'm like not musically inclined i was more like skating snowboarding but my brother's like really big in music he produces drum and bass still to this day oh send me a track yeah i will for sure and he's doing well like he got back in as a hobby and now he's like putting out an album with metalheads well i mean it's 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 one of those things don't stop kids don't stop like you said it the other day too when you were talking about the journey right and it's like the journey is the best part of of everything because when you finally get to the end you're like what's next because exactly. you accomplished it, you know, it, it's like you, you check these things off. And a lot of time, you know, if you measure success with money, then I don't know, you're not doing it for, for you know, like money's yeah. great. Where do, where do you go from there? Right? But love and heart is, is kind of going to carry you through the hard times because okay. money will come and go, always come and go. And you get your ups and your downs. But one thing's consistent is you and your passion and, and what you love and what you, what you, you know, so, so people think if you're crazy, like I embrace anyone that says I was nuts or crazy. Cause I'm like, damn right. I am because I'm, and I'm going to do it because the more people that tell me that, then, then I know I'm doing it right. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like you exactly. Like if, if nobody else is willing to do this, it means I'm, I'm, I'm going to succeed at this. Right. Yeah. And you'll be the first or the yeah. last, you know, but as long as you're, you know, it's the story that sells everything. Right. So a lot of kids, you know, they're like, how did you do it? And I'm like, I'm like, you know, I can't, you, no one's ever going to recreate the way you do it. Right. Like you can, you, you can steal someone's ideas. Right. But in the end, everything comes to light and, and you'll be, especially, you know, you'll be, people will call you out, you know, like, I don't know if you're on the clubhouse. It's like, whatever this, this, this app, I got into NF people are like, you need to make NFTs. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, dude. <laughs> and then, and then, so in my hindsight, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go buy, you know, like this iPad, right? Cause it's gotta be digital art. And then they're like, no, dude, you can just take photos of your stuff. I'm like, what? I'm like, that doesn't, well, how is that? You know, like, and so it's then hard I had to, to grasp for our old, it took me like weeks to like wrap my head around this whole concept of new digital art and everything. Well, cause you see Trevor, you know, or rushing it. Shout out to Trevor. Gold, gold toilet for $200,000. You're like, and not, and, and also like, everyone's like, Oh, you missed the train. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, I'm not, I didn't get in this to like make money. I like art. Art is something I love and I enjoy making art and and then here's another avenue for me to make art and have a, a place to show it i still i still haven't even minted anything yet like i still i'm so like everyone's just like dude what are you doing i'm like i don't know i'm just kind of like watching everything unfold and then figuring my lane out and so it was i could just take photos of my art 
but then I started here. I'll show you a little what I'm working on. So I met this guy. I've known him for a while, but I met him on Clubhouse named Joe Krolik. He's the video official video guy for the U.S. skate team. Okay. And he's like, which was funny because I took a photo of it was Darrell Stanton doing like a some trick on a rail, and I started to animate it. And I sent it to him and he's like, cause we started, we met in the clubhouse room and he's like, Oh, like, what are you doing here? What's the space? You know, everyone's like, everyone that comes there is like, cause they see me now and I'm like in these crazy rooms as a moderator. And I'm like, dude, how oh, you're on I? it. eh? Oh, I'm on. I got to hop in Jason. I, 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 t- I took, uh, do you have an invite? I'll send you one. I got a ton. I'm, well, I'm on the app. I'm on the app. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. 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 There should be a vintage. You should, we should do a vintage show or something like that. That would be cool. Yeah. But there's, this there's is some guys I know doing it, but yeah, continue your story. So I started, he sent me this video or our uh, sequence of Ryan DeSanzo and is like, Hey, you know, like, do you want to do a collab with me? And I'm like, yeah, like, you know, so the whole idea is he's the photographer. I'm, I'm doing the artwork and then Ryan's the subject matter. So this is, this is what I've figured out on this app. It's pretty wild and crazy. Yeah. It's sick. But like, I didn't know how to do any of this like two months ago. I could barely journey, open, open an email. Yeah. So now I'm like, you get inspired by it and you're like, oh man. And then it's like, you open up the can of worms and you're like, oh geez, why did I do that? Now I got to do that for 16 individual frames. <laughs> but it's awesome. Like, you know, and that's technology and that's like, you know, where we're. I think like, you know, I'm, I'm like you in a way, but I, I, I try to embrace these things. And I try to like learn about them because you know, without doing my head in of the speed of the world either, because you're like, fuck, this is all moving so fast. It took me like weeks to even grasp this concept. And then all these new things are coming out. It's like, it's a lot, but my inquisitive mind, I like to learn about this stuff. And it's a wild, it's a wild world we live in. And it it came from video games. eh? It came from like, from like Minecraft or something where people were like building like a sword or something and, buy, and kids would buy it. So our kids are going to be like, so on this compared to they're us. already, they're already on it. Like my yeah. son, they're on Roblox, right? So exactly. Roblox is, is like, they're buying skins, right? Which is basically skins are like NFTs. It's, it, it's, you know, what I'm hearing too is like Fortnite probably is going to create a virtual world and everyone can have their own houses. And, you know, I, this is crazy because someone, talked to me about this like 15 years ago and I thought they were just batshit crazy, right? Like, I'm like, like, who's going to do that? Why would you go to a virtual club when you can go to the club? Well, COVID didn't happen 15 years ago, right? And now it's like, if they would have launched during COVID, like, it would be over. Like, people would just be like, you know, I mean, that's what you should do. Your NFTs should be virtual clothing. Like, some of your, like, prized pieces, you should digitize, and like turn them and basically kind of how, how Trevor's doing it with like the ghost turning and stuff. You should do some of your vintage pieces on there and yeah, sell we, them as NFT. Some ideas for sure. But then, it's, so what you do is you, you sell the, the actual piece too. And that's what, like people that buy that, the, and it, like the, there's like a gold edition and then you got 10, you know, silver editions that, 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 you know, come with a picture of it. And then the, whoever buys the main one, they get the, it's the OG, actual garment. Yeah. And, and the special NFT. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like people are making, you know, 
insane. it's weird because it, it, there's no rhyme or reason to what people are buying. Like people are buying farts, you know, literally. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um, I, I need to get back to the mountain lab, man. I want to, I want you to talk about this because I think, um, such a crazy thing, like, you know, how Renee Renee got to go, well, you got to go to Mountain Lab, and, and then you said you were paid by DC to, like, go party, um, mm-hmm. and then you did, I think, did you, didn't you, were you, you're personal friends with Ken Block, and you got to, like, go and ride yeah, I was in at a his, Gymkhana I was video? At, I, was in, I was at his wedding. Yeah, nice. it's funny. So I, we did the, the DC, the, the ride-along, which I still love today because, like, people are so, like, Ken's like, hates that guy. Like, dude, get out of the car. Like, so they took drive, like they, Ken did these celebrity ride alongs or whatever. And there was like tons of celebrities, like all these different people. I was pretending like I was scared and like, ah, like screaming, like, cause sitting there like this in a rally car, no one, it's not entertaining. Right. So I was just like, (laughs) I wasn't scared. I was acting and I put on this show like, ah, like coughing and stuff and there's like i don't know a thousand comments like that guy said like just negative (laughs) negative like if i was in there with ken i wouldn't say anything and it's like well yeah no one would watch it and it's got like i I, it's like five million views like of me and then there's one with like ricky carmichael or whoever and it's got like two hundred thousand views and it's like the one with me's like in the goofy gear (laughs) oh super wild but yeah, no, like I remember Ken brought me out. He didn't know I snowboarded. He's like, oh, let's go snowboarding. And I was like, yeah, let's go. And, and I was up there and Pierre Wickbird, who was like the, he did robot food and this awesome cinematographer is like, they just love me. They're like, dude, like, like, let's film. And I'm like, you're going to film me? Like I grew up with the whiskey guys and they didn't once ever put the camera on me unless I was singing Michael Jackson you know, snowboarding, it was like, no one filmed me or skating. Did you get cameos in the whiskey films? Yeah, I was in the first whiskey. I, I was singing uh, Beat It, like, on the... Uh, it's just a thriller, thriller with, like, that dreadlocks. So and- epic, man. I grew up with that shit. I, when I went, I went to Whistler when I, in 93, and Sean and... Well, Sean and Sean, the two Seans, were my coaches. And I remember, like, the first time I got drunk was because they bought me beer... I think we bought weed from them. I was like 13. Um, And I remember going home after that summer and I I was the coolest kid because I was like, dude, I hung out with the Sean's and fucking Whistler, the whiskey boys. And that was like, right. I think that was like whiskey Two ninety three or something. Yeah. I knew the Sean's before the Sean's knew each other. So I went to uh, Sean Johnson. I grew up, he, he was, he grew up in Vernon too. He sat behind me in third grade. And then I moved to North Van. And met Sean Kearns at Sealand Bowl probably in the late 80s, like, or yeah, 86, 86. He was ripped, dude. Kearns ripped on a skateboard. He was actually, he won the bowl series one year or something. Yeah. Oh, really? No shit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Kearns, I know he surfs a lot now, and I, he's, he's, uh, he was dating my friend Alicia recently. So really? I haven't was... actually hung out with him, but I know he's doing cool things like based around like mental health and interesting projects. I mean, I don't know. I, I might be a conspiracy theorist, but there was this girl who was doing a documentary on whiskey and, and came to my house in LA back in, um, I guess, middle of two, 2006 or seven or something. They were making a documentary about whiskey 
and they interviewed me and we talked. It was fun. And then, and then I never heard anything about it. And then I finally was like, yo, what happened to that the girl that was doing, making the whiskey? And she's like, oh, she works for Dick House now. What's and Dick I was like, House? what? Dick House is the jackass guys. Oh, no shit. So the, 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 the okay. jackass guys. So, so this is my concert. This is, this is, I always stir this up too. And everyone probably gets <laughs> We, so Sean Kearns and Sean Johnson went to Big Brother or to Blunt Magazine, which was run by Mr. Jeff Tremaine. And wasn't, doing, wasn't Blunt and Big Brother also connected yeah. to Hustler? Yeah. Well, so, so Hustler bought Big Brother because of Blunt, not because of Big Brother. They bought it because of Blunt Magazine. And Ken, I think Ken Block was the creative director or, and then Jeff Tremaine was the, um, what do they call it? Whoever the big boss or whatever. And so whiskey came out and, and there was a big article in blunt magazine about whiskey. Uh, and then they came down to California. I think I was actually, I was there with, with Sean. One of the times we went into El Segundo to like the world industries. Cause that's where it was based out of before um, Larry Flint bought it. Um, and so anyways, Jeff, and the two Sean's had a meeting at a bar or a meeting about they, Sean and Sean wanted to do a video of just hijinks, no snowboarding or skateboarding, just like fucking crazy jackass type shit. Right. Yeah. And then, so whatever happened, that meeting, you know, they left and, and then Jeff called, I guess Johnny Knoxville and Spike Jones and Bam Margera, and they decided to make Jackass, which was a video or a show about not, you know, just crazy stunts and hijinks. But I mean, the Big Brother, they had already done, I think they're big, they had made a Big Brother video. Um, I think Johnny Knoxville might have been in, like, when he tried to shoot himself and stuff. Like, a lot of the stuff that was in Jackass was in the Big Brother videos. So, yeah, I think like it that. The, there's no doubt in my mind that whiskey inspired that whole fucking generation and lots of other people that have done it since. Yeah. Um, like no fucking doubt, man. And it's like, that's something as Canadians, we can be proud of the whiskey and you, you know, you were part of it. Um, but speaking on that documentary, that girl made that documentary and my it friend, did. my friend Dave has a copy. He's entrusted with this copy. He's like, you really? can watch it. But you can't, I can't give it to you. You come to my house and watch it, but I can't give it to anyone. I've like sworn to secrecy because something happened with her. She was dating the, Kearns, I think, at one point or something before. Yeah, well, I think, I think, I don't know what deal or what happened. We'll never know, I guess. But all of a sudden she was making this documentary and now she works for the enemy. Or not the enemy, but you know, <laughs> works for the guys who, who so basically. So if you ever come to Squamish. You should come to Squamish. We'll go to my buddy oh, Dave's gonna house. Come. We're going to watch this. Am I in it? Did, did I make I, well, it? I probably. Fuck, if you got interviewed. Oh, you haven't seen it yet? No, I haven't seen it yet because he keeps telling oh, okay. me. Like, I, I've hung out with him a few times recently, but we haven't sat down and watched it. But let's do it together. That would be amazing. I would love to do that. And I definitely need to get up to Squamish. Yeah, oh. man, come for a visit. Um, There's a surf park being built. Yeah, you heard Britannia about that? Your, your back is, yeah. I'm dying for that. Um, that would be so epic. Have you ever surfed any of the man-made waves? Um, not really. Not the good ones, no. I, I kind of missed out because I moved back up here and all that stuff happened. I knew about Kelly's um, 
I knew about Kelly's stuff just because I was good friends with like Benji Weatherly and Rob Machado and all those guys that I had linked up with when I lived down there. And so I would just see, they'd tell me like, oh, dude, Kelly's building this crazy thing. I mean, yeah, Kelly's, thing is, Kelly's thing is the best looking wave. It's just the cost is so insane. Like for his engines or whatever that's pumping it is like next level. You know, but yeah. they're, they're the the guys out of Spain, I think, Wave Garden guys, they they seem to be have got it figured out as far as cost effectiveness, and they're able to like build it. You know, like Kelly's, you need like a lot of land. You know, like even more land that they have at that the 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 sand pit there near Britannia. We used to go dirt biking at. Yeah. Sure, they, all, they, that lot just gets used for like movie everything or yeah. whatever parking out all the time there's those wave lakes that some company in australia did where it's like oh the pump big, yeah, yeah and it looks cool. like from the news they put out that they've sold a bunch of them around america and around the world so those are going to be popping up different places mm-hmm. we'll see i've never surfed any of them i'm dying to get more waves to be honest after covid i've surfed like three times in a year finally did the wake wake surfing which was pretty fun last summer i mean it's cool it's like you know i could see if those kids get into a wave you know canada might have a world champion (laughs) (laughs) just the amount of the amount of wake surfers in Kelowna. geez it's like (laughs) i've done it once but it is addicting because you get to ride a wave for a long time oh yeah it's just like you actually your legs get sore surfing which is like you know unheard of Totally. Unheard of. So I read on your IMDB, is that what it's called? IMDB. Sure. That you painted for the Thai Prince of Bangkok. Mm-hmm. This is quite a hefty uh, little tidbit of info on your IMDB. So you want to explain? <laughs> so I was in uh, a friend of mine who was from Kelowna, uh, this guy, Johan. He started a Thai, the first ever Thai rap group. He was the DJ. Uh, he found like a Thai rapper. There was like another girl from, she was a singer. And so they made it big in Thailand. And and so I was working with his brother in Kelowna at the Capri Hotel. And he's like, oh, you should go to Thailand. I was like, okay. So I went to Thailand, never met the guy. And we, we, we hung out and then we started just hanging. Actually, we did a little drug. <laughs> I guess I could talk about this. It's part of the story. We went up to the Golden Triangle and smuggled like a kilo of the best weed we'd ever, Thailand had ever seen, like no seeds. It was like, that's, it, it's the most insane story. I want to write a book one day. But anyway, so we came back no to the shit. city. We came back to Bangkok with all this, like just the greenest, perfectest weed. And we'd go to these events and parties and just like throw like weed on tables. And everyone's just like, what is this? Like freaking out. And so because of that, I ended up painting someone was like, hey, do you want to paint this nightclub? And I'm like, okay, I'll paint a nightclub. Like, seems fine. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't even think I knew how to, like, spray paint. Like, I was like, okay, let's do it. I remember not even having a mask, getting so fucking high, just like, Ooh. I painted a nightclub in, like, 12 hours. This two-story, two like, and I guess it turned, it was called Deeper, and the club actually turned out, like, after I left to be, like, the biggest one of the biggest nightclubs in, in Southeast Asia, like all these like huge DJs going there. And I remember running into someone and being like, Oh, did you, 
you ever look at the artwork on the walls? He's like, yeah, that was crazy stuff. And I'm like, no way, it's still there. And I'm like, yeah, I painted that. They're like, no way, dude, that's dope. So because I painted the nightclub, someone approached me. They were doing, there was a call, it was called the Red Hot Society. And it was an AIDS, AIDS uh, charity that ran globally. I know Keith Haring did like um, some artwork for it. Um, the event in Thailand was called Red Hot and Positive, And it was, so it was like an HIV thing. And the girl was like, hey, do, would you do a, donate a painting? And I was like, dude, why don't I just paint it live? And they're like, what? Like, you do that? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, whatever, right? Like, I, I was pretty quick at painting. And so he's like, this is amazing, right? So we, it was at this nightclub. I was out there. I was doing like, you know, I, I kind of put black line and then I color in kind of color by number style. So before I had hit any color, all of a sudden this Ferrari pulls up and this old guy and this girl get out and I'm just like, oh, cool. I'm going to paint. I'm going to make it red. Right. And it's red, hot and positive. Perfect. Everything makes sense. So I like painted this painting. They're like, we got to go. The auction's happening. I'm just like, oh shit. Like, you know, it was like two hours to do a paint, this big canvas. And so we go in and, and it's like a silent auction or they're bidding on it. And I knew two of our friends that were sitting in the front row, they owned the Lamborghini dealership that we had met, like they're big potheads and they're from Dubai or wherever. And they were like, you know, excited. They're bidding on it. I saw them, they're, they're bidding on the painting. And then all of a sudden there's like this murmur, like, you know, talking and everyone's like, what, what, what? And I'm like, and my friend's like, dude. And I'm like, what? He's like, holy shit. He's like, the, the, the prince, the, the king's brother is fucking bidding on your piece right now. And because he even bid once, everyone else backed out and was just like, they don't, because you don't. You're not compete. messing with this guy. You don't, oh, yeah. You don't mess with it. If the, if the prince wanted, it was like Prince Tittlebend Yugala or something, I remember. And anyway, so the DJ of the night, funny enough, Paul Oakenfold, right? Some little guy out of London or whatnot. He's DJing this party that I painted this thing at. It ends up the prince buys the painting for like 20000 like whatever it was, which at the time, like normal Thai artists would sell their stuff for like a hundred, And I got 20000 or something bought it. And, and, and so everyone, people are coming up to me and like bowing to me. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? They're like, dude, like, like, you have no idea. Oh my God. Like my friend Johan's just freaking out. And so they're like, he wants to meet you. He wants to meet the artist. And I'm like, okay. Like, so I go in this room and everyone's on the floor except for the prince and his girlfriend, his girlfriend, like he must've been 60. His girlfriend was like 22 or something. I was like, I hope that's your cousin or something. Like, I don't know what is going on. Here. And so I'm like, there's, I'm not, I'm going to sit, I sit right next to him, right? Everyone's on the floor, like below him. I have no idea culture. I'm like so new, like no, no clueless. And it was perfect because my friend who was like, he, he was a photographer that won like a crazy award for, for Time Magazine. He like just an awesome, crazy guy. But he's like sitting there giggling, laughing, like, cause he knows exactly what's going on. So I'm sitting next to the prince and the prince is like, he's about five nothing. And I'm like six, three. So he's like about here. I'm just towering over him. And everyone in the room is just, <laughs> oh my God, like shaking their head. And he's like, finally, he's like, oh, let's go dance. Right. And I'm like, okay, let's go dance. And so we go out dancing and he doesn't realize that I'm like, I'm all legs. 
So I'm like even taller than him on the dance floor. And he's sitting there. Paul Oakenfold's playing. He's DJing to me, the, the prince of Thailand and his, and his girlfriend. And it's just like, there's about like 5,000 people all around us. And I'm just like, you know, cutting the rug with the that is an amazing story. And then, so then he like, he finally, he's like, after that, he's like, fuck, I'm out of here. So then my brother, my, my buddy, Johan's like, he's like, go get, you need to get his card. Go get his card. It's like the get out of jail free card. If you have anything royal, it's like, you can just, here you go. Like, oh, sir, you, you have 5,000 grams of cocaine here. Oh, here's the card. Like, yeah, you're good to go. See you later. Like, it's like, basically, you, it was like a get out of jail free card. So I go... And I asked, I'm like, hey, Prince. <laughs> He's looking at me like, you fucking asshole. Get out of here, right? And then I'm like, so I'm like, can I get your card? And he's like, I gave it to the DJ. And I look over and there's Paul Oakenfold. I'm like, you fucker. Like, you asshole. <laughs> you got I got the card. <laughs> oh, he knew it too. He was like, he's no dummy. Oh, yeah. and, and then little does the Prince know that he bought a painting from somebody who just smuggled a ton of weed in his country, yeah. which is fucking mm-hmm. awesome. But it made news because it was like, the, it was basically the royal family was ex- was was on, like saying, yes, AIDS is, you know, because up until that point, they had no affiliation. Like, I think he even caught shit for showing up at that event. Because they didn't um, want to acknowledge it? Like, as a... It was just, you don't, the royal family and AIDS, like... I don't know. Like the, the, yeah. the, the king is like very revered and nothing against like there was negative. I, everyone there was like, this is incredible. Like incredible that this guy bought your piece, like all this, all these, like, you know, it was just wild. And then after that, everyone, I sold tons of art to like all these people there. Like they, they wanted, you know, some paintings or sold some to That's different collectors. So yeah. That oh, kind yeah. of blew you up and made your trip. eh? like, I mean, it just looks good on the resume too to say <laughs> that I sold a painting to the to the prince of Thailand. Uh, I think it was. I don't sure even know does. if he was. He was the, the so the prince the the king's wife's brother. That's who it was. But still, like, still he's a prince. <laughs> yeah, pretty great story, man. Pretty great story. And what, what were you even in Thailand for? Just on a trip with the boys? Yeah, no. So my friend, like I said, I brought all my records over there. I wanted to make music with my buddy who was who had the Thai rap band. I dude, it was so funny on on like New Year's Eve. I performed. Uh, was it you down with OPP with my yeah. buddy like in front of like ten thousand people? <laughs> Drake is from the good town, ill town. So that's how it feels now. The deal is that we is and we steal round to lamp with the freestyle phantom in time to be answering. Yes. <laughs> Dude, I remember like memorizing that song. I was like, "Fuck, this guy's a good rapper." But yeah, wow. it was super funny. The crowd spent, probably was going off, eh? Oh, they were going off. Yeah, it was the two white boys from Kelowna setting it off. <laughs> nice. nice. Oh, dude, I remember actually. It was. I was just thinking about the Big Brother. I remember going into Big Brother full Renee Renee, and uh, they're like. I'm like, where's where's Shug's where's Shug where's Shug at? And they're like, oh, he's down here. Go. I was like, literally gonna go white boy my ass up into Shug's into Death Row Records. Like, I want let let me rap for you guys in Head and Toe Neon. And like, someone was just like, dude, 
you can't like you're gonna get shot like you killed like they hung vanilla ice over the side of the building like and i'm like what like i was just so did not care like i was like dude i am gonna go for it put me on apollo like i'll rap i don't you know which is like a testament to you and your amazing adventures because you that's kind of like it's from what i can gather it seems like how you always lived dude i've always you know and and it's funny because i think like finally money and wealth are coming my way but i never like even even opportunities like people brands came out that just totally took what i what renee renee was doing and packaged it and made millions and millions of dollars and i kind of was like and everyone would be like aren't you bad i'm just like ah, fuck it. it's just not it's not my time or i'm not you know like do i want to do that do i want to sell something that brings me so much joy and that I didn't do it to sell it. Like, you know, obviously now I'm like, fuck, I should have done something. But, you know, it's it, everything happens for a reason. And I feel like now I'm at a stage where it's like, dude, I've started like eight different companies in the past six months, like just building so much cool stuff that isn't necessarily my wheelhouse, but it's like I have really really good connections with you know like someone's like dude you you need to monetize your rolodex is what it used to be called in the back in the day rolodex but yeah. it's like your my connections are my money and i'm like yeah i guess i never really thought about it you know and i've never asked anyone for anything you know it's it's, it's just like so i think it's like prime for me and i'm finding out like i have these just incredible uh friends and connections that are now one phone call away to connect them with someone else. And now I'm created a business with two of my friends and I'm a part of it, you know, and just, just from, just from those, those, uh, those great relationships that you've built over the years, I'm sure the same with you, like people that you probably never thought you'd be working with kids you introduced to the game are now like you're working. You know, it took me a while to realize that. Like I used to, I wouldn't say I burned bridges, but I would like, I wouldn't put enough energy into certain relationships, I think, a long time ago. And I finally realized, like, you never know. Like, you got to, like, treat everybody the equal. same. They are equal. Yeah. You got to treat them that way. It's like if this guy's famous, he doesn't get no more respect than the other guy because you don't know this guy down here. One day it could be, like, your business partner or somebody who's helping you out or whatever it is. And yeah. I've, I've learned that over time. So, yes, I definitely have a lot of connections. And I – um but it took me a while, man. It took me a while. I mean, first impressions for me, it's like I have no time for someone that, that has an attitude or thinks they're better than anybody. And, and it would be like, I, it could be a $10 million thing. And, and this person is just like out the gate is a dick. I don't, I don't care. I don't care about money like that. Right. I care about relationships. I care about doing rad stuff that, that makes a difference that changes people's lives that, you know, like Renee Renee was, was, I was entertaining everyone. I made people laugh. Like that was, that was enough for me. And that's why you do it, you know? Totally. And that's important. That's super important. It's super important to laugh. It's super important to be able to laugh at yourself, which you fucking do the best of anybody. (laughs) Um, But that's like therapy. It's healing, man. Yeah. What is it? Like, you know, what is life really in, in that sense? Like, like you said, it's like you, you save up, Right, you work your ass off to buy that car. You get the car. Two, you know, two hours in, you're just like, 
yeah, I got a car. Now I got payments. Yeah, now, I'm, you know, it becomes, it becomes like you're, 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 what you're trying to achieve all, all of a sudden drags you back down because you got to all of a sudden, you know, Ferraris aren't cheap to get an oil change or whatever it is, if that's your dream. But it's like a, you achieve these goals and it's kind of, you know, that's why you just set, set unrealistic goals, right? Like just yeah, shoot for the so, moon. So, Fuck it. Fuck it. This, so, is where, so, this is where you're going to be happy in the middle, yeah, not, not there. Even if you set your goals so high that you, you get like one foot, you know, and it's a thousand feet, you get one foot, you're like, Fuck, hey, I got a foot. You know, like yeah. the, the expectations of what you're shooting for are just so ridiculous that it doesn't matter where you end up. And the funny part is, is like all that is meaningless. It's, it's, it's the journey when you look back and the story that, that is everything. Because without the story or the, you know, then you're just someone with money and or opportunity. You just, here you go, right? Like you don't appreciate what you have until you fail or you the struggle is the most important everyone, you know, like any situation it's, I was watching miles, this miles Davis documentary last night and, and just like, it was really interesting. So in America at the time in the fifties or late forties, like black people, obviously it's nothing's changed if they still treated a certain way. And he goes to Paris and he's like treated like a King. He's hanging out with, Pablo Picasso and all these like, you know, artists and, and this high culture and everyone just kind of treats him like he's, he's a God, you know, and there's no color boundaries. And it's like, he's around peers and around people that, that are at his level of creativity and at his level of understanding, you know, and it, it was just like, it's wild to think that that's like, you know, fifties, you know, obviously, I don't know if it's just France is so close to Africa or there's like a, it's not, not as racially screwed up as America is, but it was just interesting to like, just to see, to see this person, like, and also him going through, he reinvented himself like 15 times, you know, like, I don't know if you're, you're a fan of, of Miles Davis, but like, I mean, the guy is just uh I mean, very I'm not, interesting, I'm not like interesting a, I'm story. Not, not a fan, but I, my brother would be a big fan. He takes a lot of inspo from uh, that genre. But um, that's so he reinvented himself in what way? Just his his image, his vibe, his Just music, musically, like you know, musically he would and and style. Like I mean, the dude he was driving a Ferrari, right? Like back in the fifties, like he was like on top of the, and he was smart and and business savvy and. So he went to Juilliard. He like, you know, was, was at night he'd go to like Birdland and, and play with like Charlie Parker. And then in the day he's studying classical music and like all his, all his homies are like, why are you learning that white man music? You know? And he just was like looking at it like, well, I just want to learn. I want to see what's up. Like, I want to learn it all. I want to, I want to, you know, I don't want to base my um, idea of, 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 of what something is by, someone else saying that it's this, I want to go and discover it and understand it, you know? And I think he just kind of like, because of that, he, he, I don't know, just like super, super, again, like I just watched this last night and I'm just like, wow, that's crazy. And he would reinvent the, the way he looked, you know, he also was, you know, a drug addict and, and, and whatnot. And, and so when he came back from, from Paris, you know, he became, he got hooked on heroin because it was like, fuck, he just came from a place where he was treated like a king and royalty. And then he 
comes home to his home and he's treated like second class citizen. And, and, you know, and I think like for me, it, it was funny, like in, in Vancouver, I was kind of viewed as, oh, it's just Renee, right? Like it's like no biggie, right? And I, I knew that if I wanted to, to make it in Canada, I had to go outside of Canada um, to do something before I would be recognized here, you know? And, and, and I'm sure it's the same with you. Like you're doing all this stuff in Canada. It's one thing, but then you go, you go to Pasadena and you go, you're down there. Everyone's just like, Holy shit. Like you guys are the Kings, you know? And it's like the, uh, the big in Japan kind of mentality. Kind of right. I mean, I was in Japan too. Like, I mean, I would go there and it was, it was insane. Like massive fans and, and you know, it's true. I mean, I don't, us as Canadians always think that too, you know, we got to get outside of Canada. Canada's Canada. It's like big fish in the small pond thing going on. You know, there's not enough, on the market here, the fashion scene isn't cool enough, or the music scene isn't cool enough. You're right, man. And it, it, a lot of people, um, they want to get outside of that bubble, and they want to get outside. Well, of that. You get like, you get stuck in that in that idea that you know you need, like you really don't. Like there's so much no, talent don't. here, right? And, like and, and we also, see it like in every industry. The community, like it's important to nurture your own community before you're trying to get out and nurture like the rest of the world's community. Yeah. But a lot of times, like you don't get appreciated, right? And it, and it, and it does. Like you got to go and and venture off, fly your spread your wings, and and then you know to be accepted in your own community, which is weird. You know, I think it's changing, and I think what's changed is is that it's like you you can be anywhere. You could live in the Arctic Circle and be a YouTube phenomenon. Right. Like you really it doesn't matter where you are. Like we, I was under the assumption that if I wanted to be an actor, I had to go to Hollywood. Right. If you wanted to be a rapper, you had to go to New York or, you know, like all these preconceived notions of what you think you need to do, which is like now with technology, you don't you can be in Vernon, you know. Yeah. You can do it from wherever you're at, like depending on what you want to do, but it is the sky's true, though. The, the, per- the perception is different. Like even in Toronto, you go to the club and Drake will like come roll up to the club in Toronto, you know, with his crew. And everyone's like, ah, it's just Drake. Like we see the guy like all the time, like whatever, no big deal. It's Drake. But then anybody else would be like, holy shit, Drake's at this club with like 50 people. It's the biggest freaking deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it is situational, but you're right. You can do it all from anywhere now, especially, you know, and nowadays nobody even has to know where the hell you are. You can be anywhere and you can be another place, really. And I mean, people are making a living, right? Without leaving Vernon. Like, I could technically just, you know, be in the Okanagan shopping vintage finds or who knows, right? Like, I mean, yeah, whatever exactly. your passion is, whatever you want to do, like, it, it really is up to you and again like i said put make your goals really extremely high <laughs> yeah like i want to so wanna, talk to us you, know, you said you've been working on businesses like is there any of them you want to talk about and like uh well i'm doing uh so my partner's indigenous she's first nations and so we started obviously she's not a big skateboarder but i am and and uh I've always wanted to do a, a skateboard brand and I'm also very passionate about indigenous art and culture. So we started, we, I mean, we were, we're not even, we've started because we've got all the tech packs all, you know, like 
again, like me having, you know, no idea what it takes to do anything. It's just like, Oh, I got a great idea. Let's do it. You know? And it's like, luckily my partner's the CEO of, of like 11 different companies already. So she's kind of like knows how to start businesses, how to, you know, we were able to get a grant, um, some seed money. We bought like 2000 skateboards, nice. um, working with, with ultimate and Kevin Harris is kind of helping us, you know, baby step it along um actually this artwork is a, a friend of mine he used to he's a, a metis artist that i worked in the film industry with so we took his art and we made the the boards out of it um my partner brenda you know i she just cold calls zoomies sends them an email and basically we went from nothing to now we're just filling out our zoomies contract as far as being a vendor for them. Wow. And they have a whole like social department thing that they're doing with, you know, just feel good stories. So we're kind of, yeah, like the door, the door is opened. And again, just kind of connections and, and people I've met. And yeah. Like so you there's said, that. Utilizing your connection with Kevin and I'm sure yeah. there's some people to help you produce product and, you know, making those calls and it's like, you know, totally like, you know, from, from the designer, my friend Joe, you know, helped me out and did the tech packs and, you know, obviously there's costs, but it's not as expensive as hiring these people. Right. It's like, I have connections to at least not yet until, until you're up and running. And I know like just businesses, it's like, Oh yeah, you're this, you're that you're, you know, and you're giving titles to people that don't know what they're doing. And it's just kind of, like, you know, beyond, beyond the money you pay to these people for their work, sometimes just finding a designer, even if you have the money, is super hard on its own. Because, like, you know, when you, now you have the Rolodex, like you said, where you're like, I know this guy can do this kind of art. I know this guy does graphics layouts. I know this guy does yeah. that, that, that. At least they're at your disposable. Or at your disposable. Sorry, your disposal when you need them instead of, like, having to go out and, like, cold call on Craigslist or something and get some yeah. random person, right? No, definitely. I mean, and, and again, it's like, I haven't made anything and people are like, we'll buy it. Right. Like whatever you're doing, you know, based on my relationships and based on how I've treated people my whole life. Like I, I, I go out of my way to help others for no other reason that it makes me feel good, you know? And, and I think when you live that when you don't fake that and you just kind of like, and, and another thing is, is my partner too, like indigenous, it's like they, they live by, or at least she does seven laws, uh, you know, that are like health, happiness, humbleness, um, community, uh, generations, generosity. Like there's just, that's how you are. Like, you know, you're just good. Just be good. Like, you know, and, and, obviously business is cutthroat and, and at some point, you know, you got to be the boss, but you know, it's always better to, to start with a gift than to ask for something, you know? And so I've always just kind of like, I don't know, like whether, whether I knew this, it, 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 the, all the years that I never made any money of what I, you know, I made enough to survive, but I was happy. I didn't care. Like, you know, I was like, I had kids and then all of a sudden you're like, shit, <laughs> it's expensive. Hockey's yeah. not cheap, you know, <laughs> but like I didn't, you know, like I, I always knew everything would work out. I always knew 
that it didn't matter. Like, you know, I was working in film because, you know, I mean, I went through a separation. I've, you know, like for some shit shouldn't be, I shouldn't be smiling. Right. Like there's life happens and it's sometimes it sucks and it's hard. Right. And it's up to you how you deal with it and how, if you let it affect you and poor me and miserable, guess what? Law of attraction. You attract more shit, more horrible stuff comes your way when you're like, Oh, I suck. I'm this. And you know, like you start believing what others tell you. Whereas if you just in your mind go, I'm still me. I'm still that nice guy. I still, you know what I mean? Would give the, the shirt off my back to anyone that asked, you know, and, and not, just because it makes me feel fucking great to do that kind of stuff, you know, like here's like yeah. currency, you know, currency, the rapper. Yeah. So I'm on a flight from Miami. I get off there. I see this. I've never, I don't know who he is. And, and he's wearing it. He had a Supreme backpack or something. So I just kind of like, Oh, okay. Like this kid knows what's up. And this is like, you know, 95 or something. And, and uh, he comes over to me. He's like, he's like, dude, that's a dope hat. And it was like a DC hat. And I'm just like, I go, what's your size? Like seven and three quarter. I'm like, dude, it's yours. He's like, you can't give me the hat off your head. I'm like, I just did. Like, I'm out, you know? And he's like, he's like, what's your name? Like, who are you? Like, why? Like, I don't get it. Like, he just didn't understand why someone would be nice or just do that. Right. And it's just like, to me, it's like I, nothing means anything. Like, you know, there's, I mean, there's a great star. I was in Thailand and a friend of mine gave me this Phillips 66, uh, like gasoline jacket, really dope. Like, you know, yeah. like a very vintage piece. I love and so I'm in this village that. and, and I befriended this Akamama and she's like, she, she starts pulling on my shirt, like the jacket, like I want this. Right. And I'm like, never i've never questioned anyone asked me for anything up until this point i'd always just like totally right and so because it was a gift because this jacket was a gift i had to think like i had to think what he would say if i gave it to this woman right and if it was you know if he's going to be mad that he gave me this special gift to me personally to me and if I just gave it to someone, he would be pissed, right? And so I thought, I'm like, what would Jordan, like, what would, you know, like, what would he do? And because I hesitated, she's like, she knew it meant something to me. And I was like, I took it off. She's like, no, 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 no. Like, I know, I know. She knew that there was something more than just, this just wasn't a jacket, right? Like, there was a gift. There was a gift involved. But, of course, me, I thought, what would Jordan? Jordan would say, give, give her that jacket. She wants it, right? Like, and, and obviously, it, the monetary value, the sentimental value, was, was the, it wasn't about how much it was worth. It was that my friend gave it to me. And the friend that gave it to me was the one that convinced me to go to Thailand to experience this moment. And so I li literally hesitated. Like for one second, like just one second. And she's like, oh no. And, and I'm like, no, I gave it to her. All of a sudden, like we both start crying and we're in this room and it's like, there's about a hundred people, like kids, everyone. It's like our last night in this hill tribe. And I like start crying. I'm giving her the jacket. She's like, okay, I'll take the jacket. And we're like bawling. Next thing you know, there's a hundred grownups and kids. We're all crying, like literally tears. And no one knows why. And it's because of this, this, that moment of me being like, 
Jordan would love me to give this to, to her, right? And, and, and if I wouldn't have hesitated, then none of this would have happened because I just, I thought for one second about the person who gave it to me, what they would say, you know, because it was a special, it was like a very special, when he gave it to me, I was like, what? Like, you're giving me your favorite jacket? Like, this is crazy. And so that moment of like giving it to her and the tears and that this, like I can never get that image out of my mind of the joy of giving, right? Like tears of joy. I love and the, that story, and, and like man. she didn't, she probably still wearing that jacket, like as hot as hell <laughs> in the Thai jungle. And she's wearing this, this jacket and it probably means so much to her, you know? And maybe hopefully someone asked her for the jacket and she has the same moment and that, and that same crazy mixed like emotions. Like it was just like the wildest moment. And, and, you know, you're on these paths and you don't know where it's going. And it's like that just opened me up to, to like the power of giving and what I got out of it. I couldn't pay. You cannot pay for that moment. Right. Like yeah. there's no money. You can't recreate that, you know? And so, and, and so like, Again, like cherish your relationships with people. Um, even dicks sometimes have meaning in your life. You know, sometimes those assholes are the, the fuel you need to be like, fuck that guy. Doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Like, I'm going to do it. You know, never don't stop chasing dreams. Keep, keep, shoot for the top, you know, like, and again, like I said, if you don't make it, at least, at least you, you know, you had a high expectation. Yeah. Totally. No matter where you end up, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, my stories. I'm. I feel like I'm. I'm. I turn fifty next year, and I, I'm like halfway done my story. You know, like I, my life is just starting again. Like it's like this rebirth that I'm having, and and opportunities are just going to be like. I'm wondering what we're going to do together. You know what I mean? Like, who knows? There's yeah. obviously something, and and keep in touch with people, right? Like, you know, like even it's so funny too, when you have like just things that happen that are like, there's no coincidences, right? Like it's like a friend that we're working on a business with, he sends me a video clip of Ryan DeCenzo because it was on TV on global, not knowing that that's who I'm doing this NFT with right with 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 Ryan and it was just like what that is so weird like that how you know and the the universe is at work always you know like yeah, it, it, and you have to start like opening your mind to see those moments because a lot of people don't recognize like you said there are no coincidences these things happen yeah. for reasons and you when you open up to accept that things around you are happening for a reason it all kind of starts to make sense and I feel like when I did that, more opportunities started to materialize because I'm like, I'm open now and I'm letting the opportunities come, you know? Yeah. It took, and again, that took me a while to get that because I was Dude, like I said, I'm 50 and I'm just getting it now, you know, like, like I think I did it my whole life, but now I'm, I'm actually like open to it and, and being like, wow, this really, you know, like I remember like being down in the dumps and thinking, you know, like negative shit. And guess what? It kept getting worse, you know? And, and I literally pulled myself out of depression this year. Like my new partners kind of like saved me in a sense. Like here I am, like I admit it, 
you know, that I was depressed, that I, that I, that I hold it in, that, that maybe me being this outlandish, crazy character was just a means to hide, you know, the depression that I had and, and finding, getting others to laugh at me or, or whatever it was like stemming from who knows childhood trauma or generational trauma. I don't know. Like, you know, we, my family escaped war torn Germany. Like there's shit that my dad saw or, or whatever. Like we don't, we don't know those things, but until you kind of like are willing to, to, to work on yourself and, and figure out who you really are and what, what makes you happy because so, so for so long and we're built into the system where you go to school, you go job, you know, your life's set out for you, you your parent, you're going to, you know, you're going to be a doctor or who knows what it, what it, people are, we're, we're put into these roles where we're not, it's not what we're meant to be. And we just accept it as reality and reality is you can do whatever the fuck you want. And no one can tell, you know, obviously there's rules and laws and, and all that thing, but creativity, there's no rules and laws to it. It's like, it's, it's up to you to kind of create and manifest and manifesting is truly, truly um, it works, you know? And, and it's like, I feel like Anthony Robbins or something right now, but like, I'm, I love it, dude. One I year ago to the day, I was literally like, you know, not contemplating suicide, but I was, I've never been that low, you know, like that, that my, my life couldn't, you know, get any better. Like I thought I was going to work 16 hours a day and pay my ex, ex amount of money and see my kids two hours on the weekends or however it was like, and, and I kept feeding into that, feeding into the, the poor me mentality. Until one day I was just like, fuck, dude, I got, I, I just left. I got out of the, you know, the COVID happened. I'm living with my ex in the same place. It was fucking horrible. dude. And, and, and I kind of like, fuck it. I, I can be on the street. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm going to make the break. I'm going to get out of this situation and think positive and, and, and like, I'm going to meet somebody. And the person that I wanted to meet, like in my mind, the, the vision I wanted a, a like silver hair, silver foxed hockey mom, right? And I, and I, and again, like things work without you knowing. I got involved with an autism charity like seven years ago. I'm now a board member. Brenda's son's on the spectrum. My kids weren't on the spectrum. Now it's like I meet my partner, Brenda, and I meet her son, Brayden, and she's just like, you're so good with him. And I'm just like, well, yeah, I think, I think me, this is me doing that autism thing, preparing me to meet you. Right. And to me, and to, I'm going to have a son on the spectrum, like, you know, and I, he's not my son, but he is like, I treat him like he's my son. And, and those are things that are like the word, the, the universe telling you things that you just don't know why or what. And you just kind of like, sometimes let it happen. And she was the same way. She's like, I want to meet an artist uh, someone, you know, that makes music, you know, like her list was like this insane list of like, this person, all her friends, this person doesn't exist. You're dreaming. You're never going to find him. Right. And I mean, I'm kind of like, exactly. She, she, she envisioned me. Right. And I am one in a trillion, you, like, are, you know, like 100%. I tell her, I'm like, Fuck, like you're my unicorn because you're just so perfect. And like everything that I need, is she, she like compliments me to, to the point of like, we're starting businesses. Like she's like monetizing my 
phone, you know, like I'll say something like, Oh, let's do that. Like, Hey, that's a great idea. Right. Treating me like how I feel like I am. Like, I feel like I'm smart. I, I, I feel like for so long I would just play this crazy person that everyone just thought I was nuts and, and, you know, but it was all a game and it was all like, I played them, you know, like I, I, invented this character whether it was to just hide my inefficiencies or whatever i lacked and just blew it up and be like i'm going for it like full on full tilt you know and and like i said like i just when i made that break and i envisioned who this person was going to be and i met her and it was like on tinder on fucking tinder and she like we both were like because i was so i hadn't dated like you know like i've been married for was like 14 i was with my wife 14 years so i was always like at work you guys are so lucky like tinder like this is a joke i had to go across the bar and ask someone to dance like you know like you had to actually put some work you had to be a character now it's just like you know sexy ab shot and your car and you've got a date yeah, it's a different game out there. I think I was just at the cusp of the whole internet dating. And uh, yeah, so that must have been a new a new adventure for you. Dude, I swiped through everyone. I couldn't, like, you know, I'm just like, dude, I don't, like, this sucks. You know, and I literally, I went on one kind of date and the girl was like, but she's a French woman. She's like, you're broken. Like you are so broken. And I was, I was just like, you know, I didn't know what I wanted. I just, I was out of the house and I was just like, fuck, I gotta, you know? And then from her, she's like, she told me like, get out of the house. Like she basically was like an angel to me, this girl. And she just said, this is cause she went through it too with, with a shitty marriage and, and got away from it. And, and uh, you know, I, I left and I found, Brenda and and now I'm like literally like one I didn't meet I met her in July July but like a year ago is when I left like I walked out of the out of the house and and whatever happened like I was gonna I was sleeping on actually Damien who brought me over to your place that's he he let me sleep on his couch or had an extra room and then yeah and here you are man and you look happy you you're glowing. You you seem like you're in a really good place, man. And I'm I'm happy to hear it, dude. Oh, dude. I mean, uh, like, I just know like there's people out there that are gonna watch this that, that they're having a shitty day or, you know, like. And again, uh, uh, change your mindset. Change how you see your reality because it truly, you know, we just like anything's created from our mind, right? This phone that we're talking on, some dude had a crazy idea. Everyone thought he was fucking stupid. It was the dumbest, like, you're an idiot. Dude, come on. It'll never work, right? And here we are. Now the whole world uses this idea, this crazy idea. So no idea is crazy. Envision where you want to be. Find out, like, you know, and, 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 and don't, again, I always say shoot for the stars. But, like, again, part of the process, have lofty goals but set attainable ones as well so that when you get to it, you're like, okay, I got phase one's done, right? Like, okay, now, now I know it, it's working, yeah. right? Like, like, and again, like be positive in, in, in your outlook and don't, don't condemn yourself to, to your mind and, and to, you know, negative because again, we are all, there's polar ice caps. There, there's magnet magnets, you know, like 
insane clown posse here. You know what I mean? Like you, you, we truly, if you dream it, you, you can do it. You know, I love that and you said so, that. Cause like, I'm actually doing like a, I have, I have a, a business coach right now and uh, I'm not ashamed to say that. Like I need help just like, a lot of people need help. You know what I mean? And most of it centers around communication and how language, well, first of all, things start in our mind. Like you said, like somebody thought of the phone and everyone's like, you're fucking nuts. And now it's everywhere. Somebody thought of an airplane and then they went out and built it. And now we're fucking flying around the world. Everything's humans have ever created started with a thought. And then it's it, it it you speak it to reality so like you communicate it to the world and you as you speak it and you talk about it you put it out there and like even if you're sitting at home alone you could say shit but it's just the the act of of talking communicating and like putting things to words because our brain thinks a lot in language and uh so this this communication coach that I'm dealing with now talks a lot about that and he talked a lot it's a lot about the way we speak things into reality and like communicating as a team and all these different things and it's really cool it's stuff that i've kind of known but it's a lot of new stuff and um i love that you said that because i you know i believe i think have you ever read think and grow rich yeah i mean i mean there's like wayne dyer there's a bunch of different people that that, that have been talking about this and and obviously it's like you hear it all the time oh think but yeah it fucking works. Like when you really, really, really don't waver and you say to yourself in your mind, this is what, this is, this is what I want. This is, this is, I'm focused on what I need or what I, what I want out of life. And literally like self doubt, right? All these doubts, that's your subconscious. Like, just like, you know, putting up roadblocks for you to get what you really want. You know, like, yeah, like it just seems crazy. Like it seems, it seems totally nuts. So, so like even like Brenda had this picture, like almost like a design board of me, of who, you know, dark eyes, like, you know, vision, like envisioned it and literally vision, like she made me come into her life. Right. I, Mine wasn't as deep, but it was like, you know, she's a silver fox. You know, she's like a businesswoman, you know. she's does quite well and, and has kids and is okay. And she's, you know, obviously she's with me, so she's got to be a little crazy because I'm nuts. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> you got to yeah. be. You really, truly, like, you know, uh, be yourself because that's, you know, no one else can be you. So that's one thing you got every single person. No one else is you, you know, so there's that positive. So there you go. Start with that one positive thing. I'm me. No one else is me. Like, hey, that's good. Like your, your mind is already turned on to positivity, you know, then, oh, where did I, you know, my mom, just think of good things. Think of yeah. every, all the good things in like your life. One thing I, it took me a long time to kind of, I used to get, I used to be very, hardwired negative thinking right and not in like i'm a dickhead kind of way but like in a fucking like i'd be like oh shit like if we don't get this this is gonna happen to the business or like my personal relationship's gonna implode or just these it would always come back to this like negative thought and um 
I used to just play it off like, oh, I'm just like a realist or whatever bullshit. But it's like, no, it was fucking negative, you know? <laughs> and um, there's something about being great. Well, first of all, the, the human mind can't have more than one emotion at one time. So you can't be like sad and happy at the same time. So if you like just tone in and like take the time to be grateful for something, it changes the way your your emotions are flowing and you can get back to like, a good positive place but it just takes like that moment of like acknowledging it slowing down thinking about something you're grateful for and then getting back at it you know well i mean even meditation right meditation is 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 a means for you to let go of of anything in this physical realm that is weighing you down right like all these thoughts all those negative thoughts right like when you i don't meditate but I, i i know I probably should sometimes, Same. but like I, I really think it, it's about letting go of all those things that have held you back, right? And those are, it's fear, you know, a lot of it's fear, a lot of it's, you know, generational trauma that you don't even know you have. Um, I would say mushrooms are a good, <laughs> good thing yeah. to try sometimes, you know, it, it helps you heal, like anything to expand your mind. and. The, the, I think the one thing about mushrooms is, is uh, it puts everything front and center. Um, if you've ever ha- had a, a trip on, on, on mushrooms, you kind of like everything you've been putting behind, it, it comes right out in your face and you got to deal with it, you know, and, and it's been, it's healing. Like a lot of people with PTSD, um, a lot of like, um, it, it can cure you of alcoholism, drug addiction, all this kind of stuff. So I don't know how I got on the mushroom. No, chip, but, but the microdosing thing, my wife does it for depression, actually, and like yeah. anxiety. Oh, it's insane. And, and the microdosing really works. I mean, I, I've had plenty of mushroom trips, and I've had great mushroom trips, and then I've had the bad ones. It's funny you said that, like it puts things front and center, because I'm like, fuck, there's been trips where I'm like, so anxious and i'm like i need to get away from everybody yeah and i'm like that's probably just like my shit coming up you know and i'm like it is. this is too much totally uh totally yeah. is you know because you're you're basically tapping in to your spirit you know you're you're tapping into true the the, the true mechanisms of who you are and not the the facade and the and the bs and i think as you get older too we we both probably like Ah oh, man, I did some stupid stuff when I was like I cared about things that I don't care about anymore. There's things that that I held tight that I'm like, why the fuck did I worry or concern myself with these things? You know, and and you know, obviously, age and and understanding and and life, you you kind of you put every puts everything into perspective. I think having kids puts everything yeah, into sure a totally does. different perspective. Like I don't. I'm not doing it for me anymore. You know, like my, I want to, I want to attain generational wealth for my kids. You know, like I, you know, I didn't grow up with anything and, and, and I don't in, when I was a kid, I always thought I was going to have money. I was going to live in a castle and have Porsches and whatever. Right. And I, but I didn't have the drive to like, Oh, I'm going to make that happen. Like, that wasn't day. I was like, I'm going to have as much fun. And then later on in life, after I've, done everything I could, then I'm going to start making money and that'll be my joy and, 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 and things that, that bring me joy. And it's not, and and money has nothing to do with it. It, it, It's creating things for others, you know, like 
bringing other my friends and, and helping them like my fa- like family it's like okay we're starting these things how can i get my family involved how can i get my brothers or you know bring bring everyone into the fold all the people that i know and love i want them to 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 join in on the success yeah. you know because and they helped me with my success at, they, they, like the, they the, supported the, me you know totally and it's you said it already but the universe provides for people who help people is, is like what kind of a motto I live by now. And, you know, I look at like what I've created with my businesses and, you know, there's lots of things that aren't perfect. Not, not, nothing's near perfect, but I, I can be proud of the fact that like I've created an economy based around the recycling of clothing where like, you know, we contribute to a lot of people's lives in like a meaningful way where, they can feel good about the work they're doing. It's helping the planet and they can make a living and have a career at this. And we're growing it. And I, sometimes I have to like reflect back on that to put me out of like a shitty business head, right? Where it's like proud of what we've, what we're doing here and what we've created and uh, proud of the people that we help, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, in the end, you know, no one's going to remember, you know, the kind of car you drove or, you know, they're going to remember the type of person you were. Right. And I mean, right now I feel like pretty confident that if I passed away, like there's no one's going to really speak bad about me, you know, like, uh, and I've made it a mission to, to make sure no one would. And, and if they're upset, I, I deal with it, you know, and, and I always, if my friends are fighting, I, I can't deal with it. I gotta, I need peace. Peace is like number one. And that was something too, like with Brenda or, or whatever, what I really, really wanted was peace, you know, peace yeah. of mind, peace of peace in life, peace in everything, you know, cause once you find that, then you kind of, you're set. Like, I, like I even like we could be homeless, Brenda, but I'm like, I found peace with you and I love you. Like it doesn't, you know, which is only just going to create more wealth because we're just, we're in the love and, and we're exactly. doing awesome shit. Like I, I want again, I think that is such an awesome tidbit. And uh, for everyone out there listening, think about what they're going to write on your gravestone. Just what Jason said. And that'll lead you in the right path to being a good human. Always. And uh, I think that's a good place to uh, call it. To end it. My man. Dude, I'm so stoked. I yeah. can't wait. Any uh, When I get up to Squamish, we're going to hang. I guess if you're in the city, you're, you're in the city right now or what? You're I'm at in my office right now. Yeah, same office. And that's down at the same place that I, that I showed up that one day? Yeah, yeah. I'm here most days. Uh, we might be moving in the near future. Not sure. Got a few things up in the air. But um, I, nah, I've had this warehouse for like 10, Forever. 11 years now. Yeah. Crazy. Awesome, dude. So stoked. I, I, I feel honored um, that you asked me to do this because, uh, you know. Yeah, no, I'm stoked, dude. That was really fun. Connections. That was great to chat. You know, you're such a, you are the, it's Dos- just good you're, to- the Dos- you're the Dosecki's man of my generation. <laughs> but it's good to, it's good to link with people that maybe you never, like we never, I've never had a conversation like this actually with anyone. Cause it's very new to me, this whole, this whole belief and, and idea of, of visualization. And yeah. I, you, you, you've done it. We've all done it our whole life, 
we just don't realize that when you envision things and you put it in your mind, you know, you know, when Michael Jordan got cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he made it happen, right? He knew and envisioned what he wanted to do. Like you don't get anywhere without, without that goal, you know, is looking and seeing what, what your goal is shoot for the shoot for the stars but have you know realistic expectations and and every every success you know take it in stride and and continue continue going up right yeah love you buddy love you too man thank you guys for tuning in hope you enjoyed the episode truly appreciate it as always if you want to support the podcast if you learn something from this if it entertains you please support the patreon you can find that down below, a link down below to the Patreon. It's basically my OnlyFans without dick pics. You get all kinds of extra content. So enjoy. See you on the next one.